Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a sudden buzz in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15th hole here, driver's recommended. <laughs> oh, is he a caveman? Because it's suddenly clubbed that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with the dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> G'day and welcome. This is oh, Golf. Andrew Dado is my name. Nice to have your company. Golf. Today, talking to the coach who coaches the coaches, Peter Croker of Croker Golf Systems. He's been in the game for over 50 years, played alongside some of the legends, uh, Seve, Lee Trevino, Peter Thompson, Sam Sneed, Gary Player, Greg Norman, but he's given lessons to Arnold Palmer, Curtis Strange. He was in VJ's pocket in the weeks prior to him winning the Masters. He's terrific. So a player, then a coach, a really interesting perspective on the game of golf. It's a simple game, or is it? Peter's terrific. He works out of uh, Victoria. He's currently in Queensland. We caught up uh, on the Zoom, or the variation of that. So again, there are those complications, but it's a really lovely discussion about the game of golf. And we started, as we always do, with how it began for Peter. And at the end, uh, you'll find your free tickets to a bit of Peter Croker magic. Here's Peter. My father started playing and his uncle was a member at Commonwealth Golf Club here in, in Melbourne, but he couldn't take my dad to the golf course on a weekend. So he took my dad to Sandringham Public Golf Course and I came along to Caddy. And after I caddied and I, I was pretty well interested and the uncle said to my dad, uh, why don't you take him across the road to Royal Melbourne? Uh, they've got a caddy program over there. He might like to make a dollar hmm. on the weekend. And that's how I started caddying at Royal Melbourne. That was my start to golf. Okay. And so that was with people like Bob Shearer and Stuart Ginn. So, I mean, it's, it's a, quite an illustrious start, isn't it? Well, I, when I started caddying there, I, I caddied alongside of Bruce Green, who's been the professional there for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, and 
Basically, Stuart Ginn came in shortly after I moved across to Northern Golf Club to Caddy, because my dad was working on the other side of town. Yeah. But uh, basically, Royal Melbourne was a, a fantastic start. I didn't know, you know, when you start golf, anyone, you don't really know what's happening. You just, you hit the ball and go and find it and hit it again. And I just f fell in love with the game. And uh, basically, here I am today. I, I just wish I knew back then or when I started the tour what I know today, I, I would have made a big difference to my playing. Right. So what did you... <laughs> I mean, obviously, as you say, you come to the game and you know nothing, right? You just, and it's literally that joy of hitting it, hitting it again, going and finding it, hitting it again. What, exactly. what, what should you – I mean, is that the best way to learn to play the game or should you go in with knowledge? Look, uh, it's always uh, – education's a good thing if you, if you get it in the right uh, amount. You know, if you get overloaded and overwhelmed, then it gets too difficult. So step by step and if you have a – a, a coach that really cares and is interested in helping you. Of course, if, if you don't care, then that's pretty hard. But mostly it's a combination. We all need we, – we, we went to school. We just didn't get the textbooks or the, or the videos. We, there was yeah. a teacher there. So I don't understand why golfers don't – they don't – they go out there and hack around and they think, oh, I'm a hopeless. Well, it's not – they're not hopeless. They're just undereducated. Right. And, so we need help. We all need help. Yeah. Just, oh, so, I mean, I guess that's one of the hard things about teaching. But I want to get to your teaching and I want to get to your, your golf system and, and, and as much of that as you'd, you'd like to share. But, look, you won the Queensland Junior Amateur in 69. That's so, right. I was, uh, so when did you become a good golfer? Like what actually led to you getting good? Well, I'm still, I'm still working on it, Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, know, you, you never know. Well, when I won the Queensland Junior, I, I, it was just a case I, I practiced hard and I and I, I won that event. It was a couple of years before Greg Norman uh, won. He he was in my brother's class in school, so yeah, my younger brother. Yeah. And uh, so Queensland was where I really uh, I, I went from caddying at Royal Melbourne. My dad got transferred to North Queensland. And my first golf club, I'm actually sitting in the clubhouse now at Townsville Golf Club. That's where I became a junior member. Right. And the pro here, Arnold Victorson, it was fantastic. He was really supported junior golf. And the club here sent us down at Christmas time to play in the in their schoolboys tournaments in Brisbane. And it was a wonderful opportunity. You know, junior golf, when it gets supported by the club and by the pro, so... As a junior, you just don't know where you're going. You need you need guidance, and I think as a senior, you don't know where you're going. So we all we still need guidance. Yeah. So what did you what your first pro um, up at Townsville? What did did he teach you something that you've taken with you for your whole golfing life? Was there anything special? Well, the great thing, uh, Arnold Victorson, his two boys, uh, Mark and John, are both professionals, uh, and both in uh, very good professionals. But Arnold, the big thing about that Arnold, he, he just gave us grip and stance and he got us out in the golf course playing at that stage. And it was basically um, self-discovery to once you had the basic grip and stance. And uh, at that stage, we didn't have video, so you didn't know what you looked like. And when I first saw myself on camera, I really got a shock because the coaches... <laughs> 
at, when I was in the Queensland junior team, uh, Billy Sehoe was there and a fellow called Tom McNaughton, he bought the first video camera to Australia for golf. And uh, when I saw my swing, I realised that they were actually being kind to me. I, I actually swung a lot worse. Than, uh, so, but, okay, well, Peter, let me ask you this, because there's people who are coming to the game and beginning, that does it, and, and we're seeing more swings, I, I expect, on tour now that are not standard. So does it really matter what you look like? Look, uh, it depends how, if you want to have a less strain on your body, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a better way. To, there's a good technique will put less strain on your joints. So okay. if, you, if you don't want to hurt your back or your wrists or your, or your mind, because when you hit, start hitting a crooked. So there, is, there are fundamentals that are common across the board. They should be. Yeah. Because... But because YouTube has replaced the golf magazines that in the old days when you'd turn one page and there'd be a different idea about how to grip it. Yes. But there is, there is a best way to do it, and for people-shaped golfers, there is a best way to grip, uh, and there is a, there's a system to do it. And uh, okay. you can do it, uh, but you, you can go trial and error, but trying to reinvent the wheel is not the best way to do it. Okay, given we're audio only, not video, are you able to describe the best grip? Well, the best grip is like shaking hands with the club. You, you want to have your hands in a neutral shake hands position. And what's really important is you grip it in the fingers of both hands, but the left hand, if you're right-handed golfer, your left hand's on top. And what you should do, the most important alignment in the grip is the left wrist hinge, just above where the hand meets the arm, there's a little a little hollow in there called a snuff box. It's a little hollow, and that's and if you put, you can feel like it hinges like a door. Yeah. Well, you want to line that. You want to line that little hollow right on top of the grip in a shake hands position. And yeah, right. If it lines up with the leading edge of the club face, the bottom edge, then you've got two alignments in. You've got the wrist on top of the shaft, and you've got the the wrist in line with the leading edge of the club face. And when you use your hand properly and you have thumbs down through the ball, we call it uncocking. And if you just allow the uncocking to, to really go right down to it till it can go no further, and as you do the last three fingers of your lead hand, your left hand as a right-hander, they close or they feel like they're tightening. And that locks in the what we call the impact area. Yeah. And that's... That's the moment of truth. I think every good player, doesn't matter whatever funky-looking swing they might have, the impact zone is very close to the same because the golf ball doesn't know who's hitting it. The club face must come in square. You must have a forward-leaning shaft, and you must on iron shots you must be hitting down, not scooping it up. Okay. Yeah. So I know everyone listening is sitting there like this. So if they're driving in their car or something, and they they've got their hands there and they're looking at their snuff box, and they're—I mean, it's a great, it's a beautiful visual thing to go with. You, you, um, you in 1971, Rookie of the Year. In yeah. Yeah, well, that ten, before, that was before the PG, the the the, the uh, media, the the golf writers had a Rookie of the Year. Uh, at that time, the PGA hadn't got to do that, but, uh, and so they gave me the, that, they, they gave me that label Yeah, because I jumped out of the barrier and, and my first four or five tournaments, 
that happened to be one at Yarra Yarra and then there were four or five in New Zealand. And uh, I, I was, I won a couple of pro-ams and I, I, I led the New Zealand Open for three rounds and uh, I finished in the top 20 in the four tournaments, I think. So yeah. I thought golf was easy then. Yeah, so so I, I find it fascinating and I've heard this a lot with, you know, golfers of of your ilk and your age as well saying that you did come out of the blocks quickly and you thought it, and you did think it was, you know, oh, my God, how, you know, how hard is this? When do, so how does it go from being an easy game to a difficult game? Well, basically, I think uh, getting ahead of yourself, uh, first of all, Golf is a game, so you got if you're not having fun, and if you put too much expectation on yourself, doesn't matter whether you're on the tour or whether you're beginning or playing golf on a weekend with your with your mates. If you go out there and put too much expectation, then you tighten up, and then you don't perform to the to your best, and then you start chasing things like you, someone says, "Oh, you lifted your head." <laughs> well, in my case. It was, oh, you, how, how come you crossed the line at the top of the backswing? And so uh, that was, I chased trying to fix that, what I, what I considered a swing fall, block mm. fault. And uh, finally, in 1981, when I was at the end of my playing, I went for a short game lesson to America to a fellow called Paul Runyon. And he was giving me a pitching lesson because I went over there for the short game. He was a short game specialist. Yeah. And in giving me the pitching lesson, he fixed my backswing unbelievably by doing the opposite of what everyone else had been telling me to do. But if you can swing it back and it swings like a brick on the end of a string and it just swings pure back and then it's, it's so much easier to come. If you're on the right path, good golf's easy. Right. This sounds like a religious thing as well, doesn't it, Peter? Um, I'm talking to Peter. <laughs> I'm talking it is. to Peter Croker. It's a religion for some of us. It's yes, it keeps me awake. I'll be honest about that. Like a like a brick on a string. Is yeah. that is now? So who told you the brick on this? I'm trying to figure out in your. Well, well that's uh, a fella called uh, Ernest Jones. Uh, uh, Ernest Jones. He he had swing the club head. Right. And he had a pen knife. He used to get on, on a piece of string, and he used to swing it around. To give the image of when the club's swinging on, in orbit, there's no wobbles. The, the club, mm-hmm. the, the the end of the, in his case, the pen knife just kept a pure circle. And and by the by spinning from the center, the club head stays on the correct path. And that's basically the the, the central core of our golf swing is how the hands cause the pivot to swing the club head effortlessly on the right path. And uh, so really, there's. If you get off to the right start, mm. uh, the club swings. The club almost—they say, "Let the club head do the work." You know. Okay, we we seem to be launching into the coaching, and I, and I and I desperately want to get here, but I want to talk more about your career first. You lost a PGA Championship to Billy Dunk in '76. Nineteen seventy-six. Yeah, I we played uh, at Rosebud Country Club, and uh, it was. Uh, I, I, we tied at the end of 18 holes and it was the last time that they decided, well, they, they used to play an 18-hole playoff if you, if you got, and they had to go the next day. Yeah. 
So the, the Monday we teed it up, and that was the last time they, they ever had an 18-hole playoff in Australia because of the television and all the, all, all the things that go along with keeping you back an extra day. So, so I lost the playoff, uh, sadly, but Billy Dunk, he's a, he's a superstar. To me, he was one of my heroes anyway, but I wish he hadn't have. Uh, he beat me in the... <laughs> He beat me to the punch on another tournament, the Queensland Open. I was leading by six shots with 12 holes to play yeah. uh, a couple of years earlier. And he shot eight, eight under the last 11 holes to beat me by a couple of shots. But, right. but Billy Dunk, uh, he, he, had the, he had the ability to shoot a lot of birdies and uh, yep. he won a lot of tournaments. So, yeah, and a lot of, an extraordinary amount of um, course records as well. Very much, yeah. He, he, so, you know, I was up against it when I had to play him in the playoff, but he shot uh, – I was very nervous and uh, he, he, he shot 71, I shot 75. So it wasn't a – wasn't, uh, you know, running second. They don't remember too many guys that run second, but it was, a, it was a highlight for me. You're playing Billy Dunk. He's got you by three. You've got two holes to go. I'm guessing it was something like that. Um, is there anything you tell yourself in the head – do this, think this, try that. Uh, well, all I know is that when I'm when when I'm playing well, I'm, I've got very little thinking. I'm just breathing. Yeah. And I'm 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 uh, just keeping things slow. We we say we go slow to get smooth, and then when you get smooth, you can get fast. So slow to smooth, and and basically the one thing I'd recommend to everyone is. Start the backswing very slow and make it smooth. If you can go slow and smooth, we say club head last and going back. So if you if you take the club head first, you get very quick. But if you push the club head, push the handle, the club head swings back a lot lower and slower. Mm. And then you, you once you've got it slow going back, then you can throw it at the club head at the ball coming down. And we say slow and throw. Slow back and then throw the club head down at the ball. So slow to smooth to slow. No, slow to smooth, smooth to fast. That's it. A brick on so, a string. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get, just throw the. It's it swing the club head like it's a brick on the end of a string. Nice and relaxed. Not, not, yeah, right. Don't get tense. So, Peter, you. I mean, you had a good playing career. Um, you definitely had a great deal of success. What was it that led you to teaching? Was it just the, career, the the playing career ended and then you just, that's the next logical step? No. Uh, actually, I was always teaching <laughs> on the tour. Uh, I remember uh, John Hadley, we used to, he, was a, one of, he was a partner with Bob Toohey and they used to do a lot of golf tournaments. And he introduced me in Western Australia, in the West Australian Open. And uh, in, in the final group, I was playing with Terry Gale. And he just said, "Oh, Peter Croker, he, he he's he's a teacher. He's one of the teachers on tour." And I, all I was doing was playing. I, I had no thinking about teaching. But every every time on the practice range, after the event, you know, we'd discuss different swing thoughts, and I'd I'd give different guys a few tips. But uh, that's when I started to think. Well, I probably teaching is I, I, is is a kind of a passion for me, and. Uh, so it led me into into more and more teaching, and uh, then when I 
was towards the end, I, I was going and I went over to visit with Paul Runyon on the short game. Uh, I went to uh, Tom Tomasello and Ben Doyle for the golfing machine for the full swing. So I was always looking for more and more answers. And so I realized that as a, as a golf pro, I just wish I'd have had this information myself earlier. So I thought, well, that's why I'm going to start sharing it. Okay. So when have you, uh, did you ever think about doing the seniors? So, so as you amass your, your information, did you think about going to the seniors tour and, and applying your trade there as well? Playing or teaching? It, playing. Playing. Look, if, if you're going to play, you've got to keep playing. And, uh, yeah. you know, Roger Davis and, the, the, and uh, Alan Cooper, they're still playing. And that's what they special, you know, they focus on. It's just the old story. You can't be a I, – I, I focused on mastering and I wanted to know more about how – not just what to teach, but how mm. to teach. Because yeah. uh, when we went to school, no one taught us actually how to learn. They, there's lots of what to learn. So what, what is part of my program today is – it's the it's the how to learn, you know. What the, get get over the barriers that stop you learning. There's only three main barriers yep. that'll stop you when you want to learn something. Isn't that interesting? Yep. Eh? Only three barriers that'll stop you getting the, the knowledge. Well, can I hazard a guess? One of them would be arrogance, like not wanting, not needing to learn. Oh no, that's once you decide you're willing to learn. You know, the ego. That's certainly. Oh, okay. Yeah, ninety percent of the problem is. People are not ready to learn, but once you're ready to learn, yes, and and you're really keen, <laughs> and then the frustration gets in when you get you, you hit one of these three barriers, and that stops you, and then you then you decide, okay, well, perhaps I'm not good enough, or the golf coach is no good, so you got you go off looking for another golf coach, but uh, if you don't know the barriers, then you 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 you'll be stuck, and and you you get into that confusion. Yeah. And uh, golf becomes a struggle. So, do you want to know the barriers? I do. I'm I'm desperate to know the barriers. The first barrier in learning anything is you got to have a program that has step by step. If the steps, if there's missing steps, the steps are too too far apart. They're too difficult. You got to have baby steps, just like a baby learning to walk. You know, yep. jump and so. The first barrier is you, you need some sort of instructional learning program that has has it laid out in step by step in the right sequence. You can have all the steps, but if they're, if they're not in sequence, you're going to get a barrier that's going to stick you and, and you'll be very frustrating. But then you could come across, once you get a program that's got a lot of the, the, the steps are all there in the right order and the, the, you can see that it's going to help you, the next barrier you come across is you try to do too many steps at once. Yeah. You, race, you get so enthusiastic, the coach gets enthusiastic and gives you too much to do, and then you get paralysis through analysis, you know, get confused. So each step you learn, you've got to put it to an automatic level before you move to the next step. So you need drills, and most people hate doing drills. Yes. So, so if you don't do the drill, you won't build the skill. And we say yes. the skill and the thrill is in the drill. So <laughs> if, if, you're going yeah. to, if you're going to learn a musical instrument or you're going to learn the martial arts, you don't start off with a black belt. 
Yeah. You have, you have to do the cutters. They don't let you fight until you can do it a number of levels. So, but golfers get on the golf course and they're thrown in the deep end without, without having the education. And uh, that's why it gets, uh, a lot of people get frustrated. And it's a, sadly, a lot of people give up when they, all they needed was a little bit better and a bit more instruction. of the motor car, you wouldn't expect to drive it until you put all the parts together, would you? No. Okay? A mechanic, no. It, 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 most people are illogical when it comes to learning anything <laughs> that's complex. They, yes. they, want to, they want to do it yesterday. Yeah. And, and they're always looking for the quick fix. And they're, they're always, uh, it's, it's, there's so much, I better not say the word, but there's a lot of rubbish out there, okay? And okay. it tells you they promise the world and, and, and you go down the track and it's another road that doesn't go anywhere. So mm. people, if they just realise it's a journey, golf is a lifetime journey and it's worth learning it. And most people aren't, you know, you go along and they're not, we're not educated to be educated. It's Yeah, yeah. It's, that's the, that's the biggest problem. They don't teach us how to learn at school and we come to the golf course and expect to learn golf. <laughs> we don't know. We haven't been taught how to learn. Yeah, it's, it's a good right. point. So you've got two barriers. One is yeah, it's not a good having point. steps. Second barrier is too many, trying to do too many steps at once. But it's the third one that's the real killer, the third barrier. Yes. Now, that's, it's, it's broken into A and B. If you've got the wrong, the wrong concept of what you're trying to do, it, you, you, you're going to have a hard time. So part one of the third is getting the right idea. Like to hit a golf ball up in the air, the logic is, the illogical mind says I must hit it and lift it like a tennis. If I was going to hit a tennis shot up in the air, I'd, I'd go play a lob shot, I'd hit it on the upswing. But in golf, because the, the implement, the golf club, has got loft, it's a different game. You, you, to get the ball up in the air with the 
and to use the, the, the dimples on the ball to get backspin, you need to hit down. So most golfers don't uh, hit down correctly on the golf ball, I would say. Uh, yep. I, I, I just know this by doing uh, seminars around the place and very few people actually can define the word impact in golf. Okay. So, so that's the, the first barrier is uh, that the third barrier part, part A is the wrong concept. Uh, yep. A lot of people try to play cricket. They try to play the, hit the golf club going down the wicket rather than on, on the inclined circle. And they try that golf's a two target game. It's not a one target game. The golf ball goes to the flag. The club head's got to go down and out to the ball. So it's a two target game. Okay. Uh, but the, the biggest barrier is the language. Uh, people. What, the swearing? Uh, well, they use that. They, they, well, they, they do that in lieu of not knowing the, the correct terms. The, the yes. Yeah. Okay. So the word grip we talked about earlier, but the word impact, most, most people have a bit of a foggy idea of where they should be an impact. So if they, if they took, uh, if they really took a, a good look at the definition of impact uh, in golf, then that, that'll help them play a lot better. Okay. Yeah. So how do you define impact? The moment when the club, it, well, how, to put it into words, when you're coming into the golf ball from the backswing, the backswing, the club is up in the air. So you're hitting, there's a downswing component. You've got to bring the club from up to down. And the ball should be contacted first before the ground. Yep. And so you're hitting down ball first and they take the divot afterwards. So it's hitting it on the downward blow. The, the low point in the golf swing is just after the ball. And... At the moment of impact, the moment of truth, you want to have a forward lean of the shaft. You don't want to be scooping it up. Your left, if you're a right-handed golfer, your yep. left wrist will have a bit of an arch to it. It'll be, be slightly bowed. And both thumbs will be pointing down and the right arm will extend. So you'll hit down and out through the ball. So you get an area where it's called the impact zone where the club stays low for about six inches through the ball if you do it correctly, which means you're going to be a lot more consistent. Okay. But, you know, the words there, in our program, there we have 15 main basic fundamental words. One's grip. I won't give you more, but number two, stance. Uh, three, you, you need to make a backswing. You need to make a downswing. Basically, those words, if you, if you understand them, then, then you'll play a lot better golf when you drill them in. Okay. So when, when you're teaching, Peter, and so I'm just going to embarrass you a little bit, when you're teaching golf professionals, and so these are some stats. Now, these are not people, you've not coached them to these championships, but these people have won these championships and you have teach them, or you have, sorry, you've taught them, I'm getting all in a, in a muddle. You've taught them at some point, either before or after. So 26 major championships, almost 150 US PGA Tour events, over 100 European Tour events, nearly 500 professional events worldwide. You've been involved with those people at some point in their careers. So when you're talking to a touring pro, 
do things change much to when you're talking to an amateur? They, they shouldn't. Uh, basically, I'm a little more careful when I'm talking to, say, say I was talking to Vijay Singh uh, yeah. or uh, Curtis Strange, which I've given lessons to. So you didn't uh, you you taught VJ before he won the the Masters, didn't you? Yeah, that, that one I had a little bit of an input into, but he has a regular coach that uh, uh, he sees quite a bit, a Spanish guy that, that, that they're, they're friends. But he happened to ask me; uh, he'd sent his brother to my school in, in when I was in America to learn how to teach. He sent his brother for uh, Krishna to our school for a month to to, to become a teacher. And after one week, he was hitting the ball so well he didn't want to become a teacher, he wanted to go back and play again, <laughs> which he did. Yes. And But, um, no, uh, with VJ, he, you, don't, you don't come up and go ask the guys, you say, I'm going to give you a lesson. They have to ask you, you know. So VJ yeah. asked me, he said, well, he was, he was hitting his driver crooked in the practice round and he said to me, he said, can you see anything that I'm doing? Well, Luckily, I had taken a video of him while he was playing in the practice round. And so I showed it to him and his coach. And they said, well, well, what, 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 what? They, they, were, they, were, they couldn't work out what they had to look at. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, right. And so BJ said, look, you're, you're actually, your, your body turned, you're not, you're, you're, you're reverse pivoting. You're, you're, you're swaying back and forward in the backswing. I said, well, I was playing in, he said, I was playing in Hawaii and I had to hit the ball low. I said, well, that's why your driver's gone off here. So we just put him in a little bit better position at a stance. And uh, about about 100 drives later, this is the other thing, a lot of amateurs don't realise yeah. a good player like this, just because you get, they get an idea, they still work on it. And, you know, within... Within a hundred balls, he was he he went out the next day in the first round of the tournament players championship in Jacksonville. This is the two weeks before the Masters that he won, and he drove it super. The only problem is in the first round he three putted four times. Yeah, so right. Then he then he asked. So isn't to, that one of the things with golf that something works and then something else falls apart? Exactly. Well, he said, "Do you know anything about putting?" He said, "Did you see me doing anything <laughs> in the putting?" So I said, "As a matter of fact, I did." So we went for a putting lesson and yeah. it was that putting lesson that he took to the Masters and it was the best putting he'd ever had in a, in a, at Augusta ever. And uh, that certainly made put him over the line because he's a great ball striker. Can I ask what that putting tip was for VJ? Yeah, no, it is just very, very simple. We were at the putting green at the back of TPC in Jacksonville at that particular time, Nick Faldo was on the putting green and so was Ernie Els. We were having a bit of a putt and I, I, he, uh, VJ stood up for a minute and I said, have a look at uh, Nick Faldo over there. I said, what sort of a putter is he? Oh, he said, when he's putting, when he's hot, he's really good. I said, what, what, is he putting well at the moment? He's, he said, no, he's not. I, I said, what, what do you think of Ernie Els? He said, oh, when he's good, he's good. But I said, is he putting well at the moment? No, he's not. So I said, what do these two guys have in common? So I, he, he looked at it and after a while, I said, I said, look at the follow through of both of them. Watch, watch how they come through the ball. And he says, yeah, what's wrong with that? They were coming, they were hitting it on the upswing. They were swinging up. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, mate, they're not putting well, so let, let's try. I said, you've been hitting it on the up too, haven't you? He says, yeah. He said, well, that's what I thought. He said, one of the famous putting instructors said to hit the ball on the up. 
I said, well, let's let's try something different. Let's not hit it on the up. Let's hit the let's keep the putter head low through the ball so it doesn't come up while you're hitting it. Have more of a piston stroke rather than a, an absolute pendulum. And so mm. he started putting the next day, and uh, and we were on the phone a few times the next week because uh, it was a week spare. And uh, he went out to the Masters and putted like crazy and did great. Um, but and and so what, Pete, what's that like for you as, you know, having an involvement in that? Do you, you know, take, I mean, you, you, I'm assuming you should take some credit well, for no, that success. Well, you feel I didn't hurt him, so that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, has that happened? Look, uh, not, not that anyone's told me. You know, no one <laughs> said you, you bugger, you messed me up. Yeah. Uh, not, not, not uh, in the recent last ten or fifteen years, anyway. But what, the, the the thing with the PGA Tour, and people say, why don't you go out there and why weren't you out there teaching on the PGA Tour? I developed this teaching program to help grassroots golf coaches, and uh, the, the I'd rather help the coach that helps the tour pro. Yeah, that, that was my approach. Anyway, along the way, uh, different when I was out and around about the tour, uh, uh, different ones asked me. I was I was at, actually at Kings Mill giving a school to teachers, uh, and Curtis Strange was that was his home base, and he was he was home practicing before he went to the PGA had a crooked stick and he, he asked uh, the, the teacher there if I could have a look at him. And uh, that's when I had a look at him and I could see he was crossing the line and he was starting the backswing wrong. So I got him to start the backswing better. I said, look, I used to cross the line too. That's, that's, you got my problem. He said, no one's been able to help me. He said, I've been right. all over the place. He says, all the different guys, Butch Harmon, all these guys, he said, he said, so, so what do you reckon? So I showed him something. We had the, the uh, video cameras, you know, with all the special gear there. And straight away, within the first swing, as soon as he did what I asked him to do, the club went on the line, the same as it did for me. So it was um, – and he went out the next week, shot 68 the first round of the, of the PGA at, at Crooked Stick. And he was out in the practice fairway practicing after that round. And I won't mention the name of the golf coach, but one of the coaches came up to him and, and uh, Curtis said, look, I have a look what I'm doing. Oh, this is fantastic. And the coach said, oh, you're standing a bit too close to the ball. Stand further away. <laughs> Shot 75, I think, the next round. So, right. Uh, how, and how did you come to give Palmer a lesson? Because I'm going to assume, probably wrongly, that not many people would have had that opportunity. Yeah, well, what happened, I was with Paul Runyon because uh, I brought him out for teaching tours here and I went back to the States to work with him and he was going out to play on this Legends tournament in Austin, Texas. We went into the clubhouse to put his shoes on and the next bay over was Arnold Palmer putting on his shoes. He says, you're Australian. I said, yeah. I said, I'm over here with, with Paul Runyon. He said, what are you doing over here? And I said, look, I brought a teaching program over here to to help uh, golf teachers that want to use it uh, become better teachers. And he said, what is, what's, what's that about? I said, would you be interested if I showed you? He said, certainly. I said, well, look, 
I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to show you right now because I said you're practicing. But I'll be here for the week. If you, if you, I'll be around. So you'll, I'll be following you a bit. So you, if you ask me to have a look at you, then I will. So the first round, he played very poorly, and I'd followed him around for quite a bit of it, and it was he wasn't playing up to his normal good self. So after the round, he and his partner Tom Wago said, "Look, you," he says, "You're going to give me a lesson now." I says, "Okay." So I, that that was the first uh, lesson. He went out the next day, hit it 20. 20 plus yards further off the tee, played really nicely. Tom Wago said, you're going to give him another lesson now. <laughs> so I gave him a lesson, a lesson the next day. And with that, he said, look, he said, is there anything I can do to help you? And I said, yeah, look, I'd love if you can. I said, I'd love to introduce it to your golf school people. So he, I introduced it to his team down in, in, um, in Orlando. But... Yeah. Uh, like a lot of other things, I, it takes a lot to get it, uh, get get it, uh, a new idea across the line yeah. into, into an organisation. Yeah. So you, you're over 50 years in golf. Is there something that you've learnt above everything else or anything else that makes the game special or, or that we should all try and remember? Right. Well, golf, it is a game for a lifetime, I think. And I'm, I'm practicing now. Uh, and I've just, I was out there this morning. Uh, I hit 100 balls, just chipping the ball five metres. So I, 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 there's a little part in my swing. I'm, uh, you know, we're, we're always trying to fix or, or refine something. So I, yeah. I, I, want to, I, want to, I still want to play, I still want to hit the ball well. Can, Peter Thompson said to me the last time I saw him before he passed, I went round to his house and uh, I said to I said to him, I said, look, I'd love my son to meet you, Peter, when I come back from overseas. And I, when I got back, he was not well enough. But I said, look, my son would, if he could just hit the ball another 20 or 30 metres, I said he'd be very, you know, he's on plus three and what have you, so, but he, it would make a big difference. He said, tell your son... It's not a game of how far, it's a game of how near. So my, my answer to everybody is yeah, right. learn, learn to control the ball with the little short shots. Uh, and this gentleman, Sasha Yuganowski, wrote a very, very workable book called The Laws of Accuracy. And if, if a golfer wants to play the game, if they learn to hit the short putts, properly, I'm talking inside 30 centimetres uh, with the right impact. Yeah. And if they learn to chip and run and pitch the ball, now this afternoon I'll go back and I'll see if I hit another 100 to 10 metres. As you there. said, Peter, the skill and the thrill is in the drill. You've got it. And so you are living proof of that. Yeah, look, uh, Peter, look, we'll leave it there. I, I, there's a stack to talk to you about. If you want to get more of Peter's um, golfing wisdom, go to croakergolfsystem.com. That's his website. There's a stack of videos. I mean, we've covered, you know, like a, 
an inch of, of a yard of history and, and life in golf. But I thank you for your time, Peter. Really interesting and some really great things to think about. Well, thanks. Thanks very much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.